0: there is one you cannot afford to miss. Admission is free, so be there on Sunday, June 8 5 p.m. at the JFK Auditorium, New East St. Augustine. Thank you, Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm Philip Emma Aguay. My contributions to mathematics is this I discovered how to solve grand challenge problems known as the most computation intensive problems arising in calculus and algebra. The parallel supercomputing solution of these grand challenge problems has large impact on humanity. I was 34 years old on the 4th of July, 1989, when I discovered how to execute 47,303 floating point arithmetical operations per second per CPU that was not a member of an ensemble of 65,536 processors. I was in the news headlines as the African supercomputer genius that won top US prize and won it for discovering how to harness the world's slowest processors and use them to execute the world's fastest supercomputer calculations and also execute them while solving the toughest real world initial boundary value problems arising in computational physics, abstract calculus, and extreme-scale algebra. I thought out those calculations across my new internet, That was my new global network of 65,536 processors. I totaled those calculations on the 4th of July 1989 and did so to discover the world's fastest computation of 3.1 billion calculations per second. That ultra-fast calculation that I executed across that new internet Built the new set lines because I unveiled the new parallel process solution to the grand challenge problems arising in STEM fields. To experimentally discover parallel supercomputing requires a mathematical maturity that includes knowing the partial differential equation and knowing it both forward and backward. The reason is that. The partial differential equation, or rather, its finite difference algebraic approximation is the most recurring decimal inside the parallel supercomputer. Like the physical maturity needed to win a marathon race, the mathematical maturity needed to parallel process across a new internet must grow with experience. It took me 15 years, onward of June 20, 1974, of full-time study and research to master how to solve a system of partial differential equations and to deeply understand how to formulate it from first principles and on the blackboard and how to solve that system across motherboards and how to use my new parallel supercomputing knowledge to discover and recover otherwise elusive crude oil and natural gas that we are buried millions of years ago and buried one mile deep in an oil field that is the size of a town, such as those in the Niger Delta region of Nigeria that is my country of birth. In 1989, I was in the news I was in the news because I experimentally discovered how to parallel process across a new internet that's a new global network of 65,536 tightly coupled central processing units that shared nothing between each other. As a 10-year-old walking to school along Bonoba Street, Abu. Nigeria. I could not explain why I had to learn the quadratic equation, nor did I understand how the quadratic equation will help solve the economic problems of Nigeria. To us students at St. John's Primary School Abu, Nigeria, solving the quadratic equation was merely mental gymnastics that had no real-life application. To us students, it seemed like the quadratic equation was invented to mentally torture us. Fast forward 25 years, from 1964, from Abu, Nigeria, to Los Alamos, New Mexico, United States, I became the subject of school inventor reports in the U.S. And was so because my experimental discovery of practical parallel supercomputing was the new knowledge that was not in computer science textbooks that led to the development of new supercomputers that can be up to one billion times faster than old supercomputers. I am studied in American schools for my contribution to the development of the computer. I am the subject of school reports on inventors, in part because the quadratic equation of algebra increased my mathematical maturity. That maturity was a prerequisite to solving the once impossible to solve partial differential equations and to parallel supercomputing the solution of the companion large-scale algebraic equations that most be solved prior to discovering and recovering otherwise elusive crude oil and natural gas. Back in the early 1980s, I was a supercomputing rebel who was programming massively parallel supercomputers and doing so in the unorthodox and counterintuitive message passing way. I message passed across processors. And I emailed, not to please the conventional supercomputer scientist that was only at home with the supercomputer that represented the old paradigm of supercomputing. My quintessential question that I pose to the millions of YX students that take a mathematics tests that we are conducted by the West African Examination Council in the Gambia, Ghana, Sierra Leone, Liberia, and Nigeria, and that I also pose to the millions of JAMP students in Nigeria that take mathematics tests that was conducted by the Joint Admissions and Matriculation Board is this. What is the importance of abstract mathematics? My answer to that quintessential question is this. Mathematics is the bedrock of the Nigerian economy. I studied mathematics in the United States and did so full-time for the 16 years on board of March 25, 1974. I studied mathematics from the storyboard to the blackboard, to the motherboard, and studied it across boards because my general circulation modeling for foreseeing otherwise unforeseeable global warming demanded that I codify the laws of physics into the partial differential equations of calculus and into a system of equations of algebra. The laws of physics that I codified into mathematical equations included the second law of motion the law of conservation of mass, the law of conservation of certain chemical species, the first law of thermodynamics, the equation of state, and the radiative transfer equations. As a research computational mathematician that embarked on his solitary quest for the fastest supercomputer that is also a new internet. My focus was on how to parallel process and solve those blind challenge problems that are the toughest problems arising in high-performance computational mathematical mathematical physics. Back in the 1970s, my search for the parallel process solutions of initial boundary value problems of mathematical physics was mocked and trashed as an unrealistic fishing expenditure. Parallel supercomputing was the formidable foe in the seven-decade-long battle to solve the most computation-intensive problems arising in STEM fields. The parallel supercomputer is a rethinking of the way the conventional supercomputer solves a grand challenge problem. Parallel processing opens the door to the modern supercomputer and makes it possible to solve once impossible problems. After my discovery of parallel processing, built the new lines on work of July 4, 1989, every supercomputer manufacturer started integrating parallel processing into its new supercomputers. Parallel processing is the crown jewel of the supercomputer. When I announced my discovery of practical parallel processing, and when I did so on the 4th of July, 1989, it wasn't heralded as a breakthrough in supercomputing. At first, my discovery was mocked, dismissed, and rejected as a terrible mistake. The reason my discovery of practical parallel supercomputing was rejected was that I didn't look like Albert Einstein. I was born and raised in the heart of Sub-Saharan Africa, instead of born and raised in Europe. Back then, some were offended that I became a famous super computer scientist and that I was described in newspaper profiles as the most intelligent man in the world. I was called a quote-unquote black genius because my contributions to knowledge occurred at the intersection of the frontiers of knowledge in the fields of mathematics, physics, and computer science. The year 1989 was a period with term black genius, was almost traumatizing for sympathizers, sympathizers of white nationalist groups that endlessly denigrated my contributions to the development of the supercomputer. As a black extreme-skilled computational physicist in America, who was born in Nigeria, sub-Saharan Africa? I did not receive the universal love that was given to the immigrant theoretical physicist Albert Einstein. Within closed doors of the supercomputing community, I became a divining rod for this god. Some liked me, some don't. I was a lion in the sand. Back in 1989, instead of celebrating my discovery of practical parallel supercomputing, some became obsessed with assassinating my character. They tried to destroy my inner core. They tried to prove me wrong. They questioned my intellect. Yet my work on parallel supercomputing was way over the heads of critics writing negative things about mathematical techniques and supercomputer technologies that lack the intellectual maturity to understand. Because parallel supercomputing was over the the heads of the 25,000 vector supercomputer scientists of the 1980s, I was the only full-time programmer Of the most massively parallel supercomputers of the 1980s. After 1989, I was attacked not because parallel supercomputing was not used to solve grand challenge problems, but because my critics were jealous that a a black Sub-Saharan African was ranked with the likes of Albert Einstein. Like scale algebra is the recurring decimal within every massively parallel supercomputer. My father, Nemeca James M. Gwally, began teaching me how to solve the quadratic equation of algebra. I learned the quadratic equation in mid-1964 and at age nine, and from the algebra textbook that was written by an English schoolmaster Named Clement Vavaso C.V. Durrell. I learned the quadratic equation in our house along Bonoba Street, Abo, Nigeria. Fast forward a decade from Bonoba Street, Abo, Midwest region, Nigeria, to 1800 Southwest Campus Way, Corvallis, Oregon, in the Pacific Northwest region of the United States until June 20, 1974. I was a 19-year-old that was programming a conventional supercomputer. Back in December 1965, when I was still in Abu, Nigeria, that supercomputer in Kobanus, Oregon was rated as the world's fastest supercomputer. It was called the first supercomputer because it was the first supercomputer that could execute 1 million instructions a second. I programmed that supercomputer from teletype machines and in basic and Fortran languages. Fortran was a general purpose high level that is natural and third generation computer language. Fortran is the acronym for formula translation. Basically. Is the acronym for Beginner's All-Purpose Symbolic Instruction Code. Basic was a child of Fortran and was invented in 1946. In my Fortran programs, my large-scale algebraic equations arose from my finite difference approximations of the new partial differential equations of calculus that I invented As a supercomputer programming tool, Fortran enabled me to write my finite difference algebraic equations in English shorthand. Back in 1974, I was supercomputing from a teletype machine and punch tapes and doing so from Monmouth, Oregon, United States. In 1975, I was supercomputing with a deck of Fortran cards in Corvallis, Oregon. In 1979, I was supercomputing from JCL punch cards and supercomputing in the foggy Bottom neighborhood of Washington, DC. The term JCL is the acronym for job control language. JCL is a scripted language that I used in the late 1970s. I used to instruct and run a batch job or supercomputer jobs that automatically execute without my interaction. I used JCL to submit my supercomputer programs for execution in batch mode. I wrote my large-scale computational fluid dynamics codes of the 1970s and 80s in Fortran, a language that was invented two decades earlier and back in 1957. Supercomputing in that formula translator language meant that I did not have to laboriously encode in machine language or first generation language that was used a decade and a half earlier. I compiled Fortran into an executable language. In 1974 and earlier, many supercomputer programmers were trained as a mathematician. In 1974, I thought of myself as a pure mathematician who loves to program supercomputers. So it was not a coincidence that the supercomputer that was rated at one billion instructions per second that I began programming on June 20, 1974 was 190 feet from the building that housed all the research mathematicians in Covales, Oregon. My contributions to extreme-scale algebra is the reason I see myself in algebra textbooks that are published in the United States and Brazil. Rather than in algebra textbooks used in my country of birth, Nigeria. In Africa, white scientists became role models for black students, but rarely vice versa in Europe and North America. In the United States, I am taught as a black scientific role model to white children, but in my country of birth, Nigeria, only dead white male scientific role models are taught to black children. As a result of these centuries-old and well-orchestrated misrepresentations of how a genius should look, these African children grow up as adults and are shocked when they attend my scientific lectures and are surprised by the reality that the name Philip Emma is cross-listed and on the same page with names like Galileo Galilei, Isaac Newton, and Albert Einstein. People that compared my lectures posted on YouTube to those of Albert Einstein are shocked to learn that I know more about mathematical and computational physics than Albert Einstein did. Research scientists are shocked by the extent of my scientific knowledge and that I have a deep understanding and a masterly command of materials. The black historical figures that are studied in secondary schools in Africa, were the great kings of the West African Mali Empire that was founded in 1235 and dissolved in 1400, and the Songhai Empire that was founded in 1430 and dissolved in 1591. Other African historical figures that are studied in schools across Africa include the early 14th century king, Mansa Musa, and the mid-19th century Hausa warrior queen, Amina of Zaria, and the late 18th century South African warrior King Shaka Zulu. The late 20th century African history shifted from exploits in battlefields to the fight against apartheid in South Africa that was led by Nelson Mandela. I believe that by the mid-21st century, African history will shift towards contributions made by Africans in the continent and in the diaspora and made to human progress. The most important contributions that Africans can make include discoveries and inventions that will expand the body of human knowledge and that will make planet earth a better place for all beings. I am the subject of school inventor reports because I contributed to the development of the massively parallel supercomputer. The parallel supercomputer demanded more from its inventors. I had to have an intimate understanding of the locations of every processor that outlined and defined my ensemble of 64 binary thousand processors. I had to have a deep understanding in 16 dimensional hyperspace of how to message pass my 2 raised to power 16 initial boundary value problems of mathematical physics and how to email the associated codes across my 16 times 2 raised to power 16 or 1,048,576 bidirectional email pathways and how to route my 64 binary thousand emails to my 16 bit long email addresses. Each email address had no ad sign or .com suffix. In June 1974, I was programming a conventional supercomputer and using the machinery to sequentially solve a system of linear equations of algebra. Fast forward 15 years, The 4th of July 1989. I became the first person to figure out how to harness a new internet that is a new global network of 64 binary thousand processors and how to use those processors to cooperatively and simultaneously solve a grand challenge problem that is otherwise impossible to solve. An invention. Only occurs when its inventor crossed a boundary of human knowledge and that had never been crossed before. For me, Philip Emma Agwale, I crossed into the never-before understood frontier of knowledge, of the parallel supercomputer that is the world's fastest computer. I was the first person to cross that frontier and I crossed it at 8.15 in the morning of July 4, 1989 in Los Alamos, New Mexico, United States. Shortly after my parallel supercomputing discovery, the news headlines became African supercomputer genius wins top US prize. Without parallel processing, the supercomputer of today will not exist. I was in the news headlines because I discovered how to solve the toughest problems arising in STEM fields. I discovered how to solve real world problems and how to solve them across a new internet that is de facto one seamless, cohesive machinery that is a virtual supercomputer. My quest for the fastest supercomputer that will compute across a new internet, that is a new global network of 64 binary thousand processors, began on June 20, 1974, and began as a science fiction and as a theory or an idea that is not positively true. My supercomputer quest began in a singular central processing unit that was my metaphor for the computer, and that was a mere acorn, or the seed of an oak tree. By the summer of 1974, and at age 19, I was only mentioned twice in newspapers, first in a newspaper in Nigeria, and then in the United States. The name Philip, the name of a 17-year-old Philip M. first appeared in 1972 in the science column of the Daily Times of Nigeria. The photograph of a 19-year-old Philip Wale appeared on the cover of a local newspaper that circulated in the cities of Monmouth and Independence, Oregon, United States. That Oregonian newspaper article was published within six days after my interview that occurred on August 1974. Taking a retrospective look, my quest for the fastest supercomputer began on only one central processing unit that was my metaphor for an acorn or the seed of an oak tree in the United States. My acorn blossomed into a mighty oak tree that was my metaphor for a never before seen internet. That's de facto a supercomputer. That new internet was a new global network of 64 binary thousand tightly coupled and identical central process units. Each processor operated its own operating system and shared nothing with its nearest, 16 nearest neighboring processors. Looking back, To the mid-1970s in Oregon, United States, I was coming of age and growing in my awareness that abstract equations, whether algebraic or differential, must be used to discover and recover otherwise elusive crude oil and natural gas and recover them from the mild deep oil fields of the southeastern region of Nigeria. Mathematics is the invincible and abstract weapon that is used to fight poverty in Africa. My quest for the fastest supercomputer took me from the first supercomputer that could execute 1 billion instructions per second that was at 1800 Southwest Campus Way, Corvallis, Oregon, United States. To so an ensemble of 64 binary thousand commodity of the shelf processors that was in Los Alamos, New Mexico, United States. In the 1970s and 80s, I was a researcher in search for the massively parallel supercomputer that I hoped would become the world's fastest computer. In theory, the grand challenge question was this. How can we execute infinite calculations and do so across a large but finite number of processors, or across an internet and complete it in finite time? The answer is that it will always be impossible to execute infinite calculations. But in 1989, I was in the news headlines because I discovered the practical answer to that grand challenge question. Namely, I figured out how we could reduce 180 years or 65,536 days of time to solution across a new internet that is a new global network of 65,536 processors that is not a supercomputer per se, but that is a new internet de facto. An important problem that takes 108 years of time to solution is classified by the US government as a grand challenge problem. That grand challenge problem is solvable in 108 years, but is unsolvable in one day. In 1989, I was in the news headlines because I discovered how to reduce that time to solution from 180 years on one computer to just one day across a new internet that is a new global network of 64 binary thousand processors. The reason I was able to solve the once impossible to solve problem was that I asked basic questions about how never before seen supercomputers could compute extraordinarily fast, and apply that speed to solve the toughest problems arising in STEM fields. I discovered that the modern supercomputer must parallel process across millions of millions of processors, and must do so to solve as many initial boundary-value problems of mathematical physics. In retrospect, It's incredible that parallel supercomputing, the vital technology that was mocked, ridiculed and dismissed as a huge waste of everybody's time, is now benefiting everybody. Parallel processing or solving many problems at once is the irreducible essence of the modern supercomputer. In the 1970s, the parallel supercomputer was mocked and ridiculed and dismissed as useless and clumsy. That was the reason I conducted my research, my parallel supercomputer research alone. I programmed supercomputers alone because it was believed that it will forever remain impossible to harness an ensemble of eight or more processors. I used eight to achieve a speed increase of a factor of eight or more, and achieve that speed increase when solving the toughest problems arising in mathematical physics. Parallel processing was dismissed as the end of the road in the never ending quest for the faster supercomputer. After my discovery that occurred on the 4th of July, 1989, and that made the news headlines, the modern supercomputer that is the world's fastest had to parallel process across millions upon millions of processors that shared nothing. What kept me moving forward and alone during my parallel processing research that I did in the United States and did in the 1970s and 80s, was my visceral feeling that the computer is older than myself and that the supercomputer is larger than myself. On the 4th of July, 1989, I discovered how parallel processing makes the supercomputer super. Parallel processing is vital to the computer and supercomputer. My contribution to the development of the supercomputer is this i figured out how to harness the fastest massively parallel supercomputer ever that discovery of parallel processing is used every day in every supercomputer parallel processing redefined the computer and enabled us to see the supercomputer in a new light In the 1980s, I was perhaps the world's leading consumer of algebraic equations. I was solving a world record system of 24 million equations of algebra and solving that system at the then hand of supercomputer speed of 24 million equations that I solved during each cycle, and with seven circles completed during each second. Doing so enabled me to record the world's fastest computation as of the 4th of July, 1989. I was in the news because I discovered the fastest computer speeds. I did so on a virtual supercomputer that was not a computer per se. I discovered the fastest computer speeds across a new internet. That's a new global network of 65,536 central processing units with each processor operating its own operating system and sharing nothing. In 1989, it made the news headlines that a Nigerian supercomputer genius in the United States had experimentally discovered how a new internet, that is, a new global network of 65,536 CPUs could be harnessed and used to synchronously solve a system of 24 million algebraic equations that arose in extreme scale Computational Physics and do so per email cycle and iterate 7 email circles per second. I did so across that new internet to record the world's fastest supercomputer calculation. I, Philip Emma Aguali, was that Nigerian supercomputer scientist that was in the news back in 1989. My discovery of the parallel supercomputer was also highlighted in the June 20, 1990 issue of the Wall Street Journal. My contribution to the development of the supercomputer is this. In the 1980s, when the parallel supercomputer was mocked, ridiculed, and dismissed as a huge waste of everybody's time, I discovered that that grand challenge problems arising in computational physics that are impossible to solve on a conventional supercomputer is possible to solve across the millions upon millions of commodity-off-the-shelf processors that outline and define the parallel supercomputer. My discovery of parallel processing became newsworthy because I experimentally proved that I can perform the then world record 3.1 billion calculations per second and execute them across a new internet that is a new global network of 65,536 central processing units. Each processor performed only for the 7,330 calculations per second. I achieved seven circles of 65,536 simultaneous emails per second. In 1989, I parallel processed around the clock or 24-7. In that year, I had two mental images of my virtual supercomputer that was not a computer per se. I'm not bound by a contract to describe the parallel supercomputer that I invented in 1989 and describe that new supercomputer for the understanding of the conventional supercomputer scientists of the late 1940s. Nor do I have to describe that new supercomputer in the exact sense that I understood it when I conceived it in the 1970s. I described my inventions in the light of newer understandings. The word computer was first used in print 2,000 years ago and first used by the Roman author Pliny the Elder. The word computer meant different things to Jesus Christ and to Philip Emmanuel. My first modern supercomputer was a parallel processing machinery that was a new global network of 65,536 central processing units, or a new internet. I discovered how to use that first supercomputer to perform the world's fastest calculations and do so while solving the toughest problems arising in STEM fields. My second supercomputer is the sister parallel processing machinery that was first published as the science fiction story of 64,000 human computers and published back on February 1, 1922, and in the book Weather Prediction by a Numerical pro- Process. My contribution to the development of the supercomputer is this I theorized that science fiction as my reality that was. Comprised of my new global network of 65,536 or 64 binary thousand tightly coupled commodity processors that tightly encircle a globe in the way the internet does. The black inventor must fight hard to get credit for his invention. I am no exception. In the 1980s, I invented a new supercomputer that was new because it was defined by a never-before-seen processor-to-processor configuration. That new supercomputer was also a new internet de facto. The greatest contribution of the black inventor and the reason he or she is the subject of school reports is that his or her contributions to science and technology, changed the narrative of white intellectual supremacy. I found it troublesome that even though there's only one body of scientific knowledge, America's history of slavery and Jim Crow segregation, the fact of created artificial distinctions between what I, as a black scientist, can contribute to human knowledge, And what a white scientist can contribute. In 1989, I discovered how to harness a new global network of 64 binary thousand processors and how to use them to solve the toughest problems arising in STEM fields. I was able to make my discovery of practical parallel processing and do so because I visualized. My ensemble of processors, as evenly distributed around my globe that I defined in sixteen-dimensional hyperspace, I visualized each processor as separated by equal distances from sixteen nearest neighboring processors. For planet Earth, that has a diameter of seven thousand nine hundred and seventeen and half miles, each of my sixty-five thousand five hundred and thirty-six processors would cover an area of about 3,000 square miles. I metaphorically visualized that new supercomputer that I used to experimentally discover practical parallel processing. My metaphor for my new supercomputer was a cube in an imaginary 16 dimensional universe. I visualized supercomputing With 65,536 central processing units that I visualized as evenly distributed at each of the two raised to power 16 or 65,536 vertices of that cube that I visualized in 16 dimensional hyperspace. I visualized my 16 pairs of bidirectional email wires as emanating from each vertex of the cube and in the 16 perpendicular directions that is along the 16 edges that emanated from each vertex. For that specific configuration, my parallel processing ensemble had 1,048,576 short email wires that I visualized as uniformly distributed on the surface of a globe in a 16-dimensional universe. The parallel supercomputer wizardry that made the new cell lines back in 1989 was that I parallel processed across a new internet that was a new global network of 65,536 central processing units. In effect, I parallel processed blindfolded and did so without seeing any of those processors with my naked eyes. It was for a good reason that I parallel processed alone. Back in the 1980s, the reason was that parallel supercomputing was then dismissed as impossible. Please allow me to put the parallel supercomputer in the perspective of the 1970s. Back then, solving a grand challenge problem and solving it by dividing it into 1 billion smaller problems and solving them While maintaining a one problem to one processor correspondence and doing so with one billion processors was a very terrifying thought. That was the reason no sane supercomputer scientist attempted to solve the grand challenge problem. That sense of foreboding prompted the Computer World magazine to carry a negative article on the future of the parallel supercomputer. That article was published in its June 14, 1976 issue and was titled, quote, Research in Parallel Processing, Question as Waste of Time, unquote. In the 1970s, the parallel process threw invincible to raise to power 16 or 65,536 central processing units that encircled a globe in a 16-dimensional hyperspace, was like searching for two rails to power 16 black boxes that were equal distances apart and on the surface of a globe that was in a dark 16-dimensional universe. I had to visualize the exact locations of each of, of each and every central processing unit that I must parallel process across before I could harness that processor to solve a computation-intensive grand challenge problem. As the first and the only full-time parallel processing supercomputer scientist of the 1980s, I had no competitor when it came to giving lectures on how to solve a million problems at once or in parallel. In the 1980s, a pattern of invitation that was followed by this invitation emerged. In the United States, I will be invited to give a seminar lecture on a parallel supercomputer and invited by telephone. When the seminar organizers discover that I am black and African, they will find a pretext to disinvite me from delivering my lecture on a massively parallel supercomputer even though I was the only person in the world that could teach them how to solve a grand challenge problem and do so by chopping it up into one million smaller problems and solving them with a one problem to one processor, corresponded mapping. After several disinvitations, I learned to disguise my identity as a black African and pass as a white person in the field of supercomputing. For that reason, many supercomputer scientists of the 1980s thought that I was from Eastern Europe and presumed that I was white and were shocked when they met me on February 28, 1990 in San Francisco, California, the date and place I was awarded the top prize in the field of supercomputing. The IEEE committee that gave me the top prize for my contributions to practical parallel supercomputing would have revoked that prize if they had discovered before the award ceremony that I was black and African. Everybody was shocked when I stood up to receive that supercomputer prize. That prize is won by a team of up to 50 supercomputer scientists. I am a supercomputer scientist to win that prize, alone. Thank you. Insightful and brilliant lecture.